Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Okay, over the last few weeks, um, the Holy Spirit's been teaching us a little bit about how we fight our battles. We, we have a friend that comes and speaks quite regularly in our church, and when he came, he, he made this statement um, that it was, oh, I've forgotten the word that he used, employment, deployment, employment time, deployment time, military term, deployment time. And um, so it started me thinking about the whole thing about how we fight our battles, because we are fighting a battle here on earth. Does anyone not have any battles? Because I want to talk to you and know why. You know, I want to I glean something off you. Because we all have battles that we fight. We have battles in our mind. We have battles in our body. We have battles in our relationships. We have battles to find work or, or pass work off or not get so much work because we're just so busy. There's battles everywhere. And um, so I started looking at the whole area of fighting battles. And, and Scripture is very clear. It says we don't fight like the world fights. And the weapons that we use aren't like the weapons that the world uses um, because the, our God is actually a warrior who saves. That's amazing, isn't it? Like a warrior, you think of Rambo, you think of Arnie. I don't know. I'm, I'm caught in the 80s, man. You think of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, who's some more modern ones? Okay, let's, let's go with um, Russell Crowe. No, that's still the noughties. But yeah, like even the movie Gladiator, okay? Love that movie and it was so sad, but you wanted him to get revenge. You wanted him to get back, you know? And, but see, even that's wrong because God says vengeance is mine. Oh, don't, don't, you don't have to take revenge on anyone. I'll handle it for you because I won't be mocked in this thing. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So you don't have to worry about um, if people rip you off or because they'll get ripped off. You don't have to worry if people judge or condemn you. They're going to get judged and condemned. It, it's a promise in the word of God. The thing is for us to actually rise above that and not become rip-offers and not become judges and condemners. Um, <laughs> rip-offers just made a word. Um, but the thing is for us to actually um, bring heaven to earth. That's what I was praying just before. That is what we're meant to do. We were made in the image of God. And the enemy that we have is a spiritual enemy. Um, and everything that you are reminds him of what he has lost. Even your appearance, because you are made in the image of God. So even your appearance, he hates. It reminds him of what he has been kicked out of, what he has lost. But the enemy tries to put shame and guilt on us if we sin, if we're tempted even. But he tries to put shame and guilt on us and he goes, what a bad person you are. And, and we agree because we know we've done wrong. We feel convicted by it. And we're like, oh, and he just wants to shut you down and cover you with shame and guilt. Someone once said this and I went, oh, that's gold. So I'm going to tell you about it today. Do you know what? We are born into a sinful world. We are born into a time where sin has been allowed to prevail. And the Word of God actually tells us that sin's going to increase. But where sin increases, the grace of God, the empowerment to endure, and the heart of forgiveness in grace will endure all the more. And it will grow and expand all the more. But um, I just like to remind the devil when I'm like... 
Sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll think about something that I've said or I've done or I've, where I've fallen and I'll just be like, oh, Stephen, why did you, oh, and I'll worry about it and I'll vacillate. Am I, am I the only one that does this? Yeah? Okay, well, it's so foreign to you guys, I'll drag the story out even longer. But, <laughs> but I like to remind the devil and I like to remind all his followers that... Um, that I was born into a corrupted model. He actually sinned before there was sin. He sinned with only being surrounded by holiness, beauty, majesty, harmony, and glory of God, and he sinned. So when he tries to throw shame on you, I say, shame on you. When he tries to throw guilt on you, say, hey, I am not guilty anymore. Jesus has taken that all away. This is one of the keys that we use. This is how we fight our battles. And I want to continue in how we fight our battles. I just want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit today as well. But, um, not but, and. <laughs> James is an awesome book. Um, but I'm not going to be speaking totally out of there. I'm going to go to Matthew 5. Who's got their Bibles today? It's really cool. Grab your Bible out. Who, who follows along? Like in, when scriptures go up, or do you just sit there and, and wait for Stephen and Maggie's PowerPoint to, um, so you just read it off the screen and it's just like, oh, beauty, yep, had it done for me, don't have to do anything. I encourage you, open your Bible up, uh, get your, your iPhone out, your, I don't know, whatever those other Android-y things are. But over the last couple of weeks, I've been going through Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And last week I spoke on how the culmination of Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7 is where Jesus says, whoever hears my words and does what I ask, does what I say, they are like someone who builds a strong house that's on a strong foundation and when the cyclones of life come, when the, the rain of life comes, when the floods of life come, your house, your life will be solid because it's on a rock. It says, but whoever doesn't, hears my words and doesn't follow them, doesn't do what I ask, then he's somebody that when these things come, not if, when, these things come, their life will crash in destruction. Now, that scares me, something like that, because I just go, wow, that's the two options? Like, you've only got two. You're going to go crash destruction or you're going to endure through the storms and the trials of life. And I don't, I'm, see, my birthday, I'm 51 years old now. I've, I've actually had a lot of friends that I've grown up with that I've seen their lives just crash with destruction. People that I used to go to Sunday school with and youth group with and in church with and stood in ministry with, and they've just decided to, to follow the pattern of the world and chase after money or fame or, or relationships and that, and that's become the shifting sand of their house, their life, and it's just crash, crash, crash. And I've seen it time and time again. But then I've seen other people that have just, you, they, they're in storms constantly, they're in cyclones constantly, they're in floods constantly, and they're still saying, God is so good, God is so good. See, there, there's something in that. What's the difference? The thing is, the difference is you're following the teachings of Jesus. You, and Jesus shows us the Father, so you're close to Dad. And when you're close to Dad, you know Dad's got this. 
Dad's got this. No matter what you're going through at the moment, Dad's got this. So I want to encourage you, this, if you can grab your Bibles out and note these things in here. Read this week. Read Matthew 5. Read Matthew 6. Read Matthew 7. Because what it is, it's actually Jesus releasing. It's his first big message. It's known as the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's known as the Beatitudes. And it starts off with, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. And you go, poor in spirit? I thought it'd be those that are strong in spirit, you know, that are mighty in spirit. But no, those that are poor in spirit. And as we were singing the first song here, it's like, you know, unless you go with me, you know, I'm not enough. Unless you come, you know, that's the thing. That's the poor in spirit that you realise I haven't got it all. I'm not able. It's not a pride thing. It's actually a humility thing. I'm, I don't have it all. I haven't got everything that I need and I can't get it from anything on this planet. I am made for other things than this planet. And when you realise that, that you're made in the image of a beautiful father who is a creator of all things, and I've got to tell you, when I got into physics, and I've heard recently how people have said, oh, science now is disproving God, and and I've heard even astrophysicists and scientists say, well, because of science, it's proven that there is no God. I've got to tell you now, There is so much design in creation. There is so much harmony and design in creation that you can't say it just happened by accident. Because if it happened by accident, it would fall apart by accident. Because accidents don't hold things together. Accidents just make things very shifty and unstable. But God said everything will will reproduce after its own kind. Everything will reproduce. And that has been sustained from beginning to where we are right now. I just think that's so amazing. We realise that we don't have everything, that we're made for something greater than this. And it says, blessed are those that know that they require Know that they have a deficit in their spirit because yours is the kingdom of heaven. When you come to that place where you realise, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you because you're the gate to, you're the, you're the way to God. The kingdom of heaven is yours. You get opened up to the kingdom of heaven. I am so glad when the kingdom of heaven started being opened up to me. And it wasn't in a small way. It was in a massive way. God just opened it up and it's just continued to grow and grow and grow. But when you read through this, see, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai to worship him, and, they, and God turning up just freaked them out because there was, there was lightning on the top of this mountain. There was smoke and fire on the top of this mountain, and, and that's just the physical representation. There was also the presence of God, which caused the atmosphere to do what it did. That's what blew them away. There was no storms for these things. There was no lightning to make God descend and it came down and sat on top of the mountain. Moses went up there. God made chisels out or brings out these tablets, writes the, the Ten Commandments as we know them on there. Now, this is known as the law of Moses. But really, God gave it. It wasn't Moses' law. It was God's to give to Moses to hand to the children of Israel because they said, don't let him speak to us. You, you speak to us. You go talk to him. They were freaked out. There's something, there's something about having a holy fear because for God, holy reverence for God because you realise, you know, you are creator. If I don't get to know you, I miss out on so much in life. If I don't get to really know you and get close to you and, and walk with you, I... I 
I miss out on so much in life. They missed out on the whole reason that God wanted them to come out of slavery and be with him. So God gave them the law. But it wasn't a law of as in regulations um, of judgment. They were actually a law of how to have a good life. The first four commandments are how to get on well with God. I'm the Lord your God. Have no other gods besides me. Don't make any idols. Don't bow down to anything. Don't misrepresent my name in any way, shape or form. And in that, God is so good to me. Don't, don't ever start questioning, God, why did you do this? God, how did you allow this to happen? Why did you let this happen? Why did this... Tra-? No, 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 no. God, you're so good. Even in the storms, even in the times of life, even in these troubled times, God, you're so good. Because if we misrepresent the name of God, God, you did this terrible thing. No, because that goes against his nature, his character, his personage. It's his very name. That's what's in his name. Goodness, healing, peace. It's all in his name. Don't misrepresent his name. Have a day off and, and honour God with that day. Because God said, I, I did this. I did it so you could follow me. And we think, no, we can't have a day off. We've got to get too much work done. We're, we're being conned people. We're being lied to. Because I know people that run businesses that have said, right, God says it in his word. I've got to have a day off. And I go to church on Sunday, so that's not the day off. But I'm going to have a day off during the week where I honour God. Usually they take a Saturday off. Now, these are people that I know that they have so much work that they're like, oh, I, don't, I never get the jobs done. They have a day off and then they're blown away because in three, six, 12 months, they're going, I'm getting more work done and the business is growing so much more from what I'm doing in five days a week than what I used to do in 12 days. You know, so I, I just want to encourage you work. God's promises are yes and amen. When we partner with God's promises, there's something powerful about it. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. But then the next one is blessed are the meek. I want to talk about that today. My, my message is actually called hashtag fight your battles bridled. Bridled. Not as in a bride but it's actually the word meek means, um, it means humble, it means submitted, and the fullness of that message, sorry, word, is that it means to be bridled. This is a horse's bridle. Has anyone not seen a horse's bridle before? So a friend of mine bought this for me. Um, he just came up and went, Steve, God's told me I've got to buy you a bridle. I'm like, I don't have a horse. And he's going, no, no, I really think God's saying something about bridles at the moment. He went and bought this, and we looked at it, and Kylie and I go, what was that made for, like a Clydesdale? That's its nose. That's for its nose. Look how big that is. Like all the ones, and that's on its smallest. (laughs) Anyway, now, this whole part, you realise I'm going to do this now, this whole part... From chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter, you're looking at me like I'm an idiot. I've got to take it off. You're going to just be like, why is he doing that? And miss out on what I'm saying. But this is all about, so the law was for us to have a good life. First four, get on well with God. Next six, get on well with people. Honor your father and mother. That all would go well with you. That you'd live long in the land and be blessed. You know, don't kill. 
Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't um, bear false witness. And don't covet. Don't compare what others have been given from God and what you have. Don't covet what others have. Going back to what I said before about our image, isn't it amazing that, um, that so many people hate their bodies? Like, I, it's in the high percentages of girls now that have, have been polled and they, they ask them, do you like your body? And they're like, flat out, no, I hate my body. And it all comes back from this comparison thing that the enemy has, is conning us. He's just conning us. People are going to surgeons and carving their bodies up because they think that they'd look better as somebody else than just who God made them to be. I want to say right now, you are perfect. You are beautiful. You are exactly who God made you to be. And if you're going to go, oh, but God did a bad job. No, no, no. God is so good. God is so good. And the, the sooner you get that into your head, the better you will understand what life is. Otherwise, you're just chasing after things that will evaporate when you grab them. It's like trying to throttle jelly. <laughs> you just won't... Like manhandle jelly. It, it, you can't be done. Ah, oh, I thought I just had that. Ah, oh, there it goes. You'll get it and it'll just, it'll just slip through your fingers. Don't let life slip through your fingers. Don't let the enemy rip you off because he hates you because you look like your dad from heaven. And it reminds him of everything that he's lost. So Jesus came, this whole lot here, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 of Matthew, is all talking about Jesus re-representing the law to us. You've heard, do not kill. But I tell you, even if you have hatred in your heart, Jesus said, it's like you've committed murder. Why? Because that's the beginning of it. Hatred in your heart is the beginning of a spirit of murder. In this, Jesus actually says, um, like Matthew 5, 7, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. He's talking about the law in this. This is 17 verses into this whole long um, teaching that he gives to the disciples and to the, the people surrounding him, this incredible crowd. He says, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. To fulfill them. And this is what I love, you know, like where you see this woman that's caught in adultery, the story where she's dragged out to the, you know, and they go, we need to stone her. She was caught in adultery. Where's the bloke? If she was caught in adultery, why didn't they? Because they're trying to set Jesus up. They're trying to say, the law, you are. We've got you, Jesus. How are you going to get out of this one? And while they're talking, he starts drawing in the sand. He drops down. He doesn't look at this woman. And sometimes I, people think, why? Why did Jesus do that? Number one, she was naked because she was caught in adultery. So he just he refused to look at her in her shame. And he drops down. And he starts drawing in the sand. We don't know what he was drawing. We don't know if he was doodling and just going, oh, Father, they've caught me. What am I doing? No. He was just taking time for them to shoot their mouths off and, and have their go. And then he stands up and just goes, fine. But the, the person who hasn't got sin, they get to throw the first rock, knowing that Jesus is the only one there that is capable of throwing any stones because he's the only one that's innocent that has never sinned. And then when they all left, he, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. And he goes, neither do I condemn you. Isn't that beautiful? 
Then he makes the most profound statement that just resonates in my life. Go and sin no more. Time and time again, go and sin no more. If you've fallen, if you've done something wrong, go and sin no more. Don't stay in that sin. Don't perpetuate that sin. Don't try and mould it into something better. No, go and sin no more. This is the teaching. So Jesus fulfilled the law. The law didn't get like, oh, he hit a loophole. No, he fulfilled the law with love, with grace, with compassion. It wasn't a loophole that Jesus, he actually fulfilled the law and said, you get to throw the rock if you haven't sinned. Bang. Oh, so this is all about that. So the good life, how do we have the good life? So many of us struggle for a good life, don't we? So James, great book here, great teaching on life, the bridle. Oh, have a listen to this, James 1.26. I think it's coming up on the screen anyway, but look for it in your Bible so you know where it is, so you don't lose James like I did. Oh, I've lost it again. Stop it. Those who consider themselves religious, now that word religious there doesn't mean a religious, sorry, I'll take the silly thing off doesn't mean religious as in a religious ritual. It means if you are wishing and desire and having a heart to, to outwork your love for God and your worship for God in everything you do, everything you say, because you know when we go to heaven, when we're in the heavenlies, it says for the rest of eternity, and eternity has no time, it actually says we'll worship God. When I was a young kid, I'd be like, what? We're going to be singing songs for the rest of my life? Like... For, forever and ever and ever singing songs. I don't like some of these songs. Why do I have to sing? No. And then I realized I got this revelation that worship isn't just singing songs. It's part of it. Worshiping with our, with our mouth, with our creativity, with our hearts. And there's something when we harmonize together. Woo! Oh, have you ever, like on, you know, Australia's Got Talent when they had all that, that big choir come out and they sang a song and they, just the, the harmony and the beauty of their message, they're all bawling their eyes out, the judges. It's an outworking. See, worship is when we honour God with our words, honour God with our bodies, honour God with our thoughts, honour God with the atmosphere of our life. It's actually about worshipping with everything. And what it says here in James is that those who consider themselves religious, wanting to show how much God means to them by, by living out a life that's, that's worshipping God with everything, with your words, with your actions, with your sacrifices, with your offerings, with your behaviour. And it says... Yet, if you don't keep a tight rein on your tongues, you're deceiving yourselves. Woo! And that religion, your religion, your everything that you're doing is actually worthless. It means nothing. Our tongues are so important. Our tongues have a lot of power in them. Like, I know the Word of God says life and death is in the power of the tongue, but I have been alive long enough to actually see evidence of this. I've seen people that aren't sick talk about how they've got this and they've got that and they're, oh, and I'm aching and I'm, oh, I've got this, oh, I'm feeling this. And, and they make themselves sick and then they die. And, they were, and you go, where did that all? But I've seen people that are sick and have been proclaimed over them, you're going to die. And they say, no, I'm not. 
I'm going to beat this thing. And even if they, they're not attached into the Spirit of God, the principles of God and the promises of God are still the same. Get a load of this. James 3, 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say, say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. Isn't it funny? If you're able to control what you say, you're able to keep your whole body in check. There's something powerful about the tongue, guys. There's something powerful there. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal around. I, um, when I was a teenager, I was chasing after Kylie. And um, I was... I was pursuing my love and she was into horses, more than she was into me. And so uh, I had to go and find a way to be around her. So we had a guy in the church that had horses and he'd take them down to Apex Park during the tourism times, usually Christmas holidays, and all the, the kids in the church would go down, the, the teenagers, and we would... We would um, you know, hire these horses out to people and he'd just take off and leave these teenagers there to look after these big beasts and, you know, everything like that. But there was one horse um, called Foster. I'll never forget this horse, Foster. He, used, he was an ex-race horse and he could run. This horse was like lightning fast. He was so fast. And the only problem is he loved to run, he loved to gallop, did not like to trot, did not like to canter. He just like, you just went, eh, give him a little bit of a, eh. People on the podcast don't know what I'm doing now. Or all you had to do was go, in his ear, and he was like, oh, you're and you're just like. But me, like, yeah, whoa. I still remember it was a big western saddle and it had the pommel on it and I am riding this horse and I'm not, you know, dun, 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 dun. no, I'm holding on to this pommel and I'm just holding on for dear life and this horse, I'm running through the trees and I'm like going, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. So I start pulling back on these reins. I'm like trying to rein in this horse but the problem was that that Foster had been mistreated over his life and he'd become very hard-mouthed. So that the bit, he would not respond to the bit in his mouth. I reckon he had some brain damage as well in there. But <laughs> <laughs> and so this horse is just going flat stick towards this barbed wire fence. And I am freaking out because I'm like, he won't stop. He's so... <laughs> bent on just running flat out. He's not going to turn. He's just going to run and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to strain myself. And he's going to strain himself. So when you've got a horse, here's a key, if you ever go riding horses, if you've got a horse that's out of control, what you do is you actually pull one rein around so it pulls the head of the horse around because they want to see where they're going. So usually when the horse gets a bit crazy, you just like, if you've got a towy horse and you, you just pull its head and it, and it just keeps going around in circles and, you know, starts your pig rooting and everything like that. Did you like that? Uh, you know, yeah, that's enough. And um, so we're going flat out for this thing and I'm like, okay, start wrenching on one side. Nothing happens. So I keep 
pulling the rein and pulling the rein. So I eventually, I'm, he's fighting me so hard. I wrap the reins around the pommel on, the, on this saddle and I start winching it up and I'm pulling and winching because so he can't pull it back and I'm pulling and winching. He, it ended up, we're eyeballing <laughs> each other. <laughs> you stupid horse! Can't you see the fence? It's... Oh. Suffice to say, I lost it. I slapped him in the eye. I did it as you do. Like, heard of the horse whisperer? I was the horse slapper. I didn't know what else to do, so I just went, twink, in his eye, and he's just gone like, Rah! and so that's a very sensitive part on a horse's body. So he would not respond to the bit but what scripture tells us here in Matthew 5 is that those that are meek, those that actually are humble and submit to being bridled, submit to actually allowing their lives to be controlled by someone and not fighting against it, but allowing that control to come in, that the Holy Spirit can guide you, that Jesus' teachings can guide you and direct you and and, and, and keep you safe so you don't strain yourself through a barbed wire fence. You know, it, it's beautiful. But in James what 3, and I'm really saying this because one of the, our keys of the kingdom, one of the ways that we fight our battles is with our tongue, reigning in our tongue. Because it says here, um, you know, it talks about in, in James, sorry, let me get back to where we can turn the whole animal or take ships, for example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds. Well, that was back then. Now they're even bigger and they're driven by massive engines, like massive engines. But the little rudder on the back actually can steer it wherever it needs to go. And it says the same thing with our life. Our life, the tongue is such a small thing, but it, it has the ability to direct your life. It will give you a direction and a destiny in your life. Your tongue will. Your tongue will. But not only that, it says here, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It says it corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Isn't that amazing? It corrupts the whole body. So if it corrupts the whole body, it can also reinforce the whole body. But what it's talking about here is that if, if our tongue is unruly, it will corrupt your body and it will corrupt your destiny and direction in life. Here is a way we fight our battles. Here is a way that we keep our, our eyes on where we need to go, our eyes on the destiny and not get distracted by the trappings and the fake con of this world is by following what the Word of God tells us to do. And it also says right at the end, um, it says, my brothers and sisters, oh, it, a little bit before that, I haven't got the scripture reference here. Um, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Oh, did you ever think of your tongue like that? I thought my tongue was for tasting things, you know, and it's, that's what it's there for, and getting into the road when I'm eating something. Um, who's bitten their tongue? Yes, Sorry. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we also curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
Brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. So what it's saying is don't be a salty spring, be a fresh, pure spring. And the word of God says, out of the overflow, so out of the depths of the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've been amazed that I've been around people sometimes and um, they're, when they're under pressure, because when you're under pressure, that's where the overflow comes out. When you're under pressure, that's when what's in your heart actually spurts out. And I've been around people and I, I think that they're a certain way. Then they come under pressure and next thing they rage and the foul language and the, everything fires up and you go, whoo, didn't know that was in your heart. You know, cause, and not only that, I've surprised myself too. When I've come under pressure, when I've come under those times, then what comes out my mouth and what I say? And I want to encourage you today. Let's bring our tongues into alignment. Let's be bridled. Let's, let's allow the Word of God. Now, if you read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, there is great teaching in there for all of us. And it finishes with anyone who hears this and lives it out, you're going to have a good, strong, powerful life. And I'm telling you now, most of the stuff that's in there, the world actually honours. The world honours generosity. The world honours integrity. The world honours good behaviour. The world honours people that aren't you know, hypocrites and, and that. So it's not like the, no one's ever heard this, that these teachings of Jesus are just so foreign and out there. No, 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 no. Lots of people have heard these teachings, heard these words, even if they didn't know that the source was Jesus. The thing is, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we've got to realise Jesus never messed up his words. He only said what the Father meant to say. But if you read what it says in James, it says, we all stumble in many ways, but we've got to move on. See, I've got regrets in life, but I don't want to live in regret. I want to live in purpose and direction. I want to forget about the past. I want to forget about the things. That, but that's when the enemy comes in and keeps saying, but you're this, you're that. I go, no, 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 no. I was that. I repented from that. God is just and able to forgive me from that and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm going forward. I want to encourage you, go forward. Leave yesterday and yesterday. Leave this morning and this morning. Go on from here. But I want to pray for you in a moment for our tongues to be bridled, for our tongues to be empowered and humble, submitted. Why do we do this? Because I believe that God's calling us to a higher level of confession, a higher level of behaviour and a higher level of the atmospheres of our life. Because I'm beginning to understand, lots of people are saying at the moment, where are the miracles? You know, we just had Joel do a great um, encouragement and prayer of faith and and you might be thinking now, but I'm still sore. I'm still there. Start proclaiming healing. Start speaking to your body, healing. Don't just wait for it to happen on Sunday. Oh, somebody come and lay hands. No, when you start getting up in the morning and you're sore, this is what I do. Thank you, Father, for my back. Back, come into alignment in Jesus' name. Pain be gone. And, and you might have to keep saying it and keep saying it for a decade. But keep doing that because it's better than going, my back's killing me. Oh, I'm dying. It's, it's only bad and it's only going to get worse. No. Which has life in it? Jesus' example was this, that he only spoke words of life. And if we're followers of him, we need to do that. 
There's a natural reward to doing this. You get on well with people when you guard your tongue and you hold your tongue. But there's even a better reward, a supernatural and a powerful reward from our Father in heaven. Can you stand with me? Oh, hallelujah. Father God, you are so good. So good. We're going to do something right now. Just reach your hands out like you're going to get a gift. Oh, Father, you are so good. You are so awesome. This is an awesome day and you are an awesome Father and you are able to do awesome deeds and you proclaimed over us through Jesus that even greater things we shall see, we shall do. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of counsel, the spirit of conviction, the spirit of truth, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of comfort. I thank you for everything that you are. You are part of God, our Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you for moving right now on each life here, on each family here, on each marriage, on each individual. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for your counsel, revelation, truth, the authority of the name of Jesus. I just command tongues to come into alignment with the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God, Father, I thank you for faith growing and for a hunger for the Word of God to increase, a passion for the Word of God, a passion to remember and quote the Word of God so that at times when we need it, we will just bang, got it. Father, I thank you for tongues coming into alignment. I thank you for the promise that if we take the bridle, if we are humble and, su- and submitted that you will guide us, you will move us forward. I thank you for tongues being released and coming under the subjection of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for proclamations of praise and thanksgiving and worship and goodness. I thank you for for prophecies being released, divinely inspired utterances of God being released. I thank you for, for mouths being released to pray. Oh, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit through the language of unknown tongues being released. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your saturation over lives. Oh, Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth, just as it is in the heavenlies. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.